you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 70, Stupid Suits. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. Ah! Ah! Are you trying to scare me? And maxing out your adrenaline, fear keeps you fast. Fast is good. Do people ever hit you? when I'm talking. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Paul? I'm excited. <laughs> good. Good. Hey, everybody. We're, we're back. We're going to talk Doctor Who. We're going to talk uh, the episode Oxygen here this episode. But before we talk about uh, Oxygen, we wanted to get your thoughts on last week's episode, Knock Knock. So... Let's go ahead and run over and talk about that. These are all from our Talking Time Lords group page on Facebook, which is accessed through our normal Facebook page. Christopher Baggett says that Knock Knock was classic who done well, I thought. They had an incredible location, wonderful sound design, and a good cast. Eight out of ten. Very nice. Chris Clark says, I have a rather intense fear of insects. So the second half I spent on the internet trying to avoid watching. Uh, overall, it was a good episode. Looked great. Good story. Loved the twist of who the landlord was. Yes. Um, we talked about that. That was an intriguing twist. Yeah. He says, small bits. Uh, the doctor playing a random song because he liked it was amazing. Also, I love Bill <laughs> telling him to go away. This is the part of my life that you aren't in. I don't know if we heard that sentiment from a companion before. It was interesting. So, yeah, we, we talked about that part as well. We, we talked about how um, it's kind of a little bit like Clara um, and her relationship with Danny Pink, but yeah, uh, she, not to this. She was more of, I want to have some of my own time was kind of the way she phrased it, though, as opposed to saying, go away. I don't want you here. You know, well, she didn't want him involved yeah. with Danny Pink at all. So, right. It was the same she, sentiment, just a different way of saying it. Basically. Right. 
And then Amanda Frank McCarthy says, I'm loving Bill as a companion and more and more each episode, which I can say yes. Yes, I agree. <laughs> She's fantastic. I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, thank you for those thoughts, everybody. We definitely want to get your thoughts on this episode, Oxygen. Uh, so check the Facebook page, Twitter, or the Facebook group uh, to leave your thoughts on the episode there. Before we jump into Oxygen, though, we have just a little bit of news. Just a teeny, tiny, itty-bitty, little bit of you know, news. Right. We've got two little things we want to mention here. Which one do we want to start with? Hmm. How about the return of the 10th Doctor? Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, return of David Tennant, but not in the way that... <laughs> Well, <laughs> that sounded bad. <laughs> it, it depends on what you want, right? I mean, do you want, exactly? Do you want the tenth Doctor, or do you want just eye candy? You know. Hmm. Well, <laughs> if so, go watch Jessica Jones <laughs> and become disturbed. Touch that one. Um, but David Ten <laughs> David Tennant is returning to uh, Big Finish. Uh, for another round of the Tenth Doctor Adventures, uh, this time it'll be Volume Two, and the big news from this is that Tenth Doctor Adventures Volume Two will be featuring in a three-part series. Wait for it, Billy Piper as Rose Tyler. Yeah, so Billy Piper is making her first appearance in the Big Finish Doctor Who audio world. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I would like to listen to these actually. Yeah, uh, it, Camille Koduri is also going to be returning as Jackie. So that'll be interesting as well. So we're going to get Jackie in these two. Yeah, I'm, I I don't know how much of her we'll actually get in the stories, but it will be a nice little bit of continuity to have her in there at all. Yes. It'll be three episodes with Ten and Rose, so that'll be pretty cool. And of course, volume one of the Tenth Doctor Adventures featured Catherine Tate as Donna Noble last year. Yeah. So keep an eye out for these. This will probably be out in the fall, I think. But if you want to get an, an idea of what it might be, check out Volume 1, which is currently available on CD and download from BigFinish.com. So there you go. That's pretty cool. Any other thoughts on that before we move on to our final story? Only that I hope we see a, a good bit more of this because uh, David Tennant, I know, has been doing more and more and more voiceover work and voice acting work uh, in general. And so mm -hmm. that leads me to believe that this could be something that would be a at least semi-regular thing, maybe once a year or something like that. And that would be, really be cool to see, I think. We need to have David Tennant and Sylvester McCoy do a two-doctor mashup together, I think. That would be interesting, especially if we could have um, Ace in there. Ooh, Ace and Donna? <laughs> I think that would be fun. Although probably Ace and Rose. <laughs> oh. Well, it, it's interesting, actually. Sylvester McCoy and David Tennant have, you know, not not the same type of characteristics, but they have similar characteristics in, in that right. on the surface they're pretty funny, but they can get dead serious and turn extremely dramatic at the drop of a hat. So well, It could also be funny, though, to see that element of uh, Ace finding out Say, for example, that Rose likes the doctor in that way. And she's like, <laughs> "Ooh, really gross, you know, 
it's because, the professor. Why would you yeah, do that? Because she doesn't see him in that way, right? And so no. you, you could get that little humor element in there too if they wanted to play that. That would be fun. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Um, if if we were able to get, uh, you know, some type of a crossover episode or something like that, as far as I know, to my knowledge, we've never gotten the story where we find out when Ace left the Seventh Doctor. It would be really nice. I've, to be able to get that story if we haven't gotten it already. There there were a bunch of novels featuring the Seventh Doctor and Ace following the cancellation of the series. So mm-hmm. it might be told in there. I've not read all of those, but it might be told in there. So If any of you guys know and you know what story that is, get in touch with us and let us know so that we can experience that ourselves. Yes, yes, please. All right, last little bit of news here. This is not so much news as it is rumor, but... It appears that, you know, last time we talked about who the next Doctor might be. I see what you did there. Yes. <laughs> the odds makers were, were telling us that Chris Marshall was very much a lock, that it was, seemed like he was the front runner, and that uh, everyone was saying that this is, this is going to probably happen. Well, um, according to this new rumor, maybe not so much. The new rumor now has two other actors thrown into the mix. Right. Actor Sacha Dewan, who has had a little bit of Doctor Who fame, uh, playing director Waris Hussein in the Adventure in Space and Time docudrama about the first Doctor. And so there's a rumor. But he's been rumored on and off for a long time. But the big new one is that uh, actor Luke Treadway is supposedly uh, in the race to become the next Doctor Who. I'm not familiar with Luke Treadway, but Radio Times seems to think that this is a big deal to say that he's the new guy and make him the focus of the article, uh, rather than both him and Mr. Dewan. But there's that. He was apparently in the movie Unbroken, about uh, an American POW during World War II uh, in the Pacific conflict. Um, I've not seen that, but I heard it's an amazing story. He's in Clash of the Titans, the remake. Which I haven't seen, so I don't know who he is in that. Oh, it was eye candy, but it wasn't, in my opinion, as nice as the first one. You know, the original. So, you know, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't have the whimsy that the first yeah. one had. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Basically, all this rumor is telling us that nothing is final until the official announcement is made when it comes to who the next Doctor is. So, don't put all your ducks in somebody's basket and expect them to hatch. Well, yeah, another thing to keep in mind here, too, is the fact that we had all these names pop up when Matt Smith said he was leaving the show, and not a single list that you saw anywhere had Peter Capaldi's name on it. Right. So, yeah. Right. (laughs) So it's it's interesting, you know, that we we have this this pattern of uh, names popping up when someone chooses to leave the show, and not a single name on that list ever makes it onto the show. So. Nope, not generally. So, yeah, it's probably someone that the rumor mills haven't run across yet. Or someone that the rumor mills went, eh, that'll never happen. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm just going to sit back and wait for them to announce it whenever that announcement comes. Uh, do you think they'll come before or after the finale this season? Honestly, I would kind of like to find out after the finale. I would kind of like to find out in the actual moment of regeneration to be perfectly honest I I really I I honestly don't care to know who is 
going to be the next Doctor until we actually see their face on screen. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like we're probably going to have Peter in the Christmas special. So the idea is, will they announce it before the finale or not? Uh, I don't know. Oh, by the way, this guy is also in Attack of the Block with John Boyega. So, okay, uh, that's <laughs> not one I've seen. I've heard about it, but I've not yeah. seen it. So. I have no idea what that is. I've never seen it at all. So, yeah, but John Boyega is a pretty cool guy. I feel like it's something that I should be watching, but I've never seen it. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Um, still no idea who the new Doctor is going to be, and uh, don't don't hedge your bets on any one person, because it's going to change. Again, I'm sure. <laughs> that being said, let's go ahead and jump into Oxygen. Alrighty, so we are going to be reviewing this weekend's episode, Oxygen, which is the fifth episode of Series 10 of the Booted Series of Doctor Who. Um, it was written by Jamie Matheson and directed by Charles Palmer and was originally released on May 13th, 2017. The very brief summary is as follows. The 12th Doctor, Bill and Nardole, investigate a strange space station but are interrupted by walking dead in spacesuits. Will they make out alive? And how much does air actually cost? <laughs> I like the way they word that, where they say walking dead in spacesuits. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Paul, uh, real quick, general overall thoughts of oxygen. And I'm not talking about the, the gas. I'm talking about the episode. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed and happy at the same time. What I mean by that is when we originally saw the footage of this station in our teaser trailers and stuff, it looked a lot like the wheel in space, you know, and I was really hoping that we would get kind of a revisiting of that location, you know, but I was very much happy with this too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this was something that, on a lot of different levels uh, could have come off as much more preachy than what it did. But I feel like they, I, I feel like they walked a, a good line in keeping it from going too much into the preachy area. Um, and I really felt like that, that the creep factor, even in this episode, I think I felt like this episode was maybe more creepy than the last one we had. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I liked this episode. Uh, it definitely was suspenseful. <laughs> um, I I thought it was pretty good, yeah, a little unexpected for what I, I thought it might be going into it. But yeah, no, I I was not not let down. Um, I will say that. And I'll say this too: I think that it was nice that they did not go to some of the more predictable aspects of what this story could have been, and they kind of pretty much kept everything fresh and new, and even the theme of the story itself was very much a new take on what we would have possibly been able to consider a kind of an old concept. Yeah. No, it was, it was pretty good. It was very straightforward. Mm -hmm. It was a little, a little light on plot in that it was a very small and self-contained plot, but there are definite ramifications 
from this episode moving forward. Yeah. Uh, which we will get to later most, on in the episode. Most definitely. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start digging into some of the details here. Spoilers. Let's start with Nardole and his dream stance on the Doctor traveling off-world and the fluid link. (laughs) This was a direct callback to the first Doctor and the Daleks. I'm sorry, but I thought that was fantastic. It was great. It was great. He removes the fluid link from the TARDIS because the Doctor told him that the TARDIS can't travel without it. And it used to not be able to. And... That's correct. It used to not be able to, but now the Doctor has apparently worked a bypass on that, or the TARDIS created one, in case the Doctor did something stupid like remove it like he did the first time. Oh, well. And uh, Nardole is very cross with the Doctor for all of his uh, desire to leave the planet and not honor his, his vow and his promise to protect this vault. And, and we get another another instance, and I forget the exact line, but another instance of where I think Nardole's a robot or part android or something. Well, the, he, he kind of mentions that, you know, this would have been a perfect brought this face back. Yeah, this would have been a perfect episode, though, to have revealed that. You know what I'm saying? Because he could have very easily not had to have a spacesuit in this episode if that was the case. Right. I know. I was thinking that. And I, was, I was thinking that at one point. I was like, is he going to walk across there with no spacesuit because he doesn't need it because he's a robot? No. Yeah. No, apparently not. I but, was I was uh, sitting there and I was – and we'll get to that point in a minute. I was sitting there at that point where, where we were trying to figure out what's Bill going to do? What's Bill going to do? How's she going to get out of this situation? And I was thinking we were going to see Nardole take his hat, you know, his helmet off and put it on her head and say, oh, fine. I don't need it anyway, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah oh. but but the doctor is right now he's just sort of messing with Nardole and we find out that the, the Nardole's had this job given to him by the doctor himself right you know <laughs> the doctor is supposed to stay here guard the vault protect it and he's tasked Nardole with keeping him there he is so which... Jiminy Cricket man so Jiminy Cricket oh. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, even down to his intensity, he's Jiminy Cricket the whole way. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Um, <laughs> it's great, though. I, I love this this fact. But the doctor's like, ah, forget you, and decides to go off to space because Bill hasn't seen space. And, of course, they land on this space station where there's no oxygen in it and the TARDIS has to fill it with oxygen. But you have to pay for oxygen. And since that oxygen is unauthorized, the space station eliminates it. And almost and so shoots order... the TARDIS out into space. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, though, and so in order to continue to live and breathe, the Doctor, Nardole, and Bill have to get into these uh, what are called smart suits, which... Um, <laughs> which might be a little too smart. <laughs> mm, yes. But you're able to pay for your oxygen. And it's got a limited amount there that to me the idea of that to me was just creepy to start with yeah because you know what happens if you run out of money right (laughs) i'm just saying you know 
<laughs> okay, shoot him out an airlock. Let's move on to the next guy, you know. Uh, right. I mean, really? <laughs> that's fun. Now, see, that's that's one of the tropes that I'm glad they did not go to in this story was you didn't see anybody get space. Right. You just saw corpses walking around in space. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very unnerving. <laughs> mm, extremely. <laughs> that being said, uh, what did you think about this whole idea of the smart suits? Because, you know, they're... to me, it kind of had kind of a Terminator vibe to it. If you get what I'm saying, it was like giving giving machines too much control of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and there's no way to override them. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you Bill's suit <laughs> is obviously on the blink. You know, it's, it's yeah. in that workshop for repairs. And of course, she gets the really busted one. Which does things like, you know, lift her arms, make her take off her space helmet, uh, you know, <laughs> stop moving altogether. So she gets the version that's comparable to the Dr. Stardust. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it even gets a name. <laughs> Nardole accidentally names her suit after one of his ex-girlfriends. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you're starting to get the impression that he's been quite the ladies' man in his past, actually. <laughs> I don't know. At least in his mind, anyway. <laughs> well, he says, oh, I recognize that voice. And and then he goes, oh, yes, it's so-and-so. And I'm trying to find its name here. Velma. Yeah. It's Velma. From Scooby-Doo. Which is, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is funny. The minute I heard him say that, I was like, I love the fact that we called our last episode Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh. oh, Velma. Nice, nice girl. <laughs> That's so and funny. it goes, oh, yes, that is my name now, Velma. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Bill's suit is the only one that keeps talking because all the others have a mute button and hers is broken. <laughs> Now, oh. of course, we find out that the spacesuits are eliminating their organic components due to lack of productivity. Uh, and there's only four survivors left by the time the doctor finds the people who rigged up the distress call. It's the doctor's theme tune. <laughs> um, and I like the fact that he actually goes there in this episode. He's like, look, you know, when the universe asks for your help... It's showing its true colors, and how you react to that request shows yours. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and both Nardole and Bill are standing there like, really? Did you really have to go there? We were wanting to leave. Why did you have to go right? there? You know? <laughs> right. But I... Eh. <sighs> okay. Yeah, no, that was funny. <laughs> but, of course, the these suits are unstoppable in their drive to continue to eliminate all of the organic components from all of these suits because part of the space station is down causing productivity to be the lowest it's ever been at this space station uh, and it, the suits are saving money productivity has, has dropped so that means that they are going to do everything to eliminate cost in order to to preserve the bottom line of the company. And when the suits are the ones in control of that, 
<laughs> and you can use suits in multiple forms here. Yeah. Uh, that gets to be a problem. <laughs> in a very literal sense, these computers calculating, you know, you know, once again in Doctor Who, these computers are calculating to their most logical outworking. And it just turns out to be deadly. <laughs> I did think it was funny, though, when uh, the doctor said this place has been labeled as uh, low producing or uh, not not financially viable or something like that. And, oh, yeah. And Narl says, well, those things tend to happen when your crew starts dying off. <laughs> uh, point taken. You know? Yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah. It was good. <laughs> but, of course, you know, we end up in a couple of situations here where they're going to go on a spacewalk to get away from the suits. And they're in the airlock and Bill's suit malfunctions. Yeah. And it takes her helmet off as the room is depressurizing and the doctor has to do something to save her. This was the point where I expected to see Nordal step up and say, oh, fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, fine, I'm a robot. Here's my helmet. <laughs> well, you almost wonder, though, if Nordal doesn't know what he is. I mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> because his head was still around with Hydroflax. Um, I mean, I'm assuming there's some organic component to him at this point. Yeah. So maybe he needs it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> He's not telling. And the show is starting to tease us more and more mercilessly with this yeah. whole aspect of what exactly is Nardle. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, through some very creative production, we get to see the fact that the doctor essentially somehow survived a spacewalk without his helmet because he gave it to Bill. Well, you know, he's not human. Right. True. But still, it's a spacewalk <laughs> that probably lasted a couple minutes. Yeah. And his extreme measures to save Bill cost him something. And oh, this is yeah. one of the very first times we see something immediately and so very detrimentally cost the doctor something because of the extremes he goes to. Without a regeneration. The oxygen deprivation has blinded him. Of course, he says, oh, well, we'll get this all sorted out. We'll go back to the TARDIS and there's stuff there that'll make me good as new. He even says, he even says lizard eyes. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got some lizard eyes in the back that I can use if need be. What? <laughs> Can you imagine the doctor does, with lizard eyes? Does Vastra know that? <laughs> we cut out his heart. Both of them. But anyway, yeah, that was the unexpected twist. That was something I did not anticipate. That was something that was really remarkable to see happen to the doctor. Yeah. What did you think about that? Honestly, when I saw that, the first thing that popped into my head was this is going to be the point to where we start to begin to see the at least the events leading up into his regeneration. That was my first thought. Because they said we're going to see a regeneration like we've never seen before. So my first thought was his regeneration could take, you know, half of the season if they wanted it to. 
and so this was one of those things when I first saw it, this was one of those things that popped that into my head. And it was like, this is going to be his body starting to have to find a way to heal itself, which begins the regeneration process, which then leads to point B to point C to point D. And finally an eventual at full regeneration. Yeah. I, I'm not sure about, I've got a theory about next episode, uh, but I want to save that for the yeah. end of our discussion. I, um, my, mine might be the same as yours. I don't know. I have one too. So, <laughs> Okay. All right. So we'll hold off on more of that discussion because it comes back. <laughs> One thing that was interesting to find out was that this this was a bit of an anti-capitalist episode. There was some definite anti-capitalist sentiments uh, in it with the whole idea of, you know, human life not being uh, worth money or something like that. Uh, you know, right. not if it wasn't financially viable. Uh, your life wasn't worth it. So the doctor basically rerouted the computer to say that the lives of the survivors, um, you know, keeping them alive is the only thing keeping the station viable and from falling apart financially. So the rest of the suits stopped attacking them and gave them their extra oxygen to keep them alive and was basically going to protect them until something could be done. Um, which... It was interesting. Now, of course, uh, we're a couple of Yanks from the United States. <laughs> and the United States is a capitalist country to be, you know, it, generally speaking. Well, um, it, it used to be. Let's put it that way. <laughs> capitalist foundations. Yeah. Uh, there's aspects there's some of a lot that, of different things now. But, you know. Um, right. It's, it's capitalist right, based, it's a, you know. Capitalist based. Yeah. So, obviously... We're going to have uh, not as uh, an abhorrent view of capitalism. That being said, there are extremes in every political and social philosophy. And we were definitely seeing the furthest extreme of capitalism that you could possibly get with this episode. I am not opposed to capitalism in principle. I am opposed to capitalism taking over and deciding if life is worth money. Right. Uh, there's, because life life is more important than money. There's capitalism in that everyone deserves the opportunity to be able to better themselves in a system that allows them to increase and make money and things of that nature. And then there's just absolute extreme elitism, I guess you would say, to where you feel like nobody matters except for you, you know, and yeah. that's, that is a completely different level, I think. And I, th I think that's what this is really more going to is that elitism aspect of, of the ultimate ultra, you know, capitalistic viewpoint that somebody could have, you know. Right. And this is, you know, a, a place in history for, you know, the Doctor Who universe where mm -hmm. it appears that a corporation basically has, full and complete control of this space station. It's not really associated with any government of any uh, of any kind in a sense. It's basically run, manned, and you know, decided by a corporation. That's a um, similar so. aspect to what you see in the original Alien movie. Um, because they are actually sent into space by this corporation that they work for who is basically like a little mini government, more or less, you know. Right. And then you find out when the second movie comes up, they expand upon it even more and say that they were actually used uh, as, uh, how would you put it, bait or, or, or you know, tools, you know, organic tools to try to capture one of these aliens, you know. 
and bring it back. Right. And so, you know, it's a very similar aspect to that because you're looking at that and you're seeing the exact same type of scenario as to say, well, these people are expendable. They don't really matter. All that matters is what we can get out of the situation, you know, yeah, and bottom line. Yeah. And that's, that's never cool. You know, never cool. Yeah, no, uh, but it was, it was an interesting point. And of course the end, uh, the, the two survivors, cause two of them die. The two of the original four die during the course of the episode. The two survivors, of course, are going to be dropped off at, <laughs> at corporate headquarters, <laughs> corporate headquarters, <laughs> file a complaint. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the doctor, of course, then notice notes to Bill once they've returned to St. Luke's that there was a successful rebellion six months later. And that was that. So <laughs> I didn't want to see the blue guy die. I liked the blue guy. I thought he was cool. <laughs> I liked him. I liked him a lot. And they killed him. Yeah. It was just sort of like, oops. It wasn't like a dramatic thing. It was just no. like they walked in and touched him and it was like, oops. And he was just like, like not paying attention. Like he was, oh, uh, uh, yeah. Dead. And I was like, oh, is that it? Yeah. I, I, That's I, it? It bothered me. I was like, kill one of the white people. <laughs> One of them did die. One of them was the first I, to go. I'm joking when I say that, obviously, but no, yeah. I I just really I thought that character was was really cool. You know, I I thought the actor did a fantastic job playing that, and uh, it was funny because the yeah. first time we see him, Bill goes, "Whoa!" He goes, "Oh, great, we saved a racist." <laughs> and she looks at him like, "Are you kidding me?" Right, right. <laughs> Oh, and it was a nice little callback, too, because uh, the last time we saw someone of that race was back in Matt Smith's era. I can't remember where that was. The blue guy that ended up becoming a head in a box. Oh, yeah, 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 that guy. (laughs) Head in a box. There was a great line of his. uh, Now I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Anyway, let's move on. (laughs) The episode ends with Bill heading out. And the doctor left in his office with Nardle. And Nardle is livid because you could have died. You could have failed in your vow, your promise to protect this vault. If you were injured and died or something, whoever's in the vault would have sensed it and would have taken advantage of the situation. So we know for sure now it's a who. Yeah. The question is, is, is it a Doctor Who? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, that this, I doubt. This is starting to make me think that Nardle doesn't know who's in there, but the Doctor does. And, yeah. And the, the Doctor keeps sending him away and then going inside. And, and it's kind of funny, you know, because he's like, you put a piano in there, you know? <laughs> right. But I'm looking at this and I'm thinking... Nardle's fixing to get slapped. Yeah. <laughs> He's fixing to get smacked. Oh. You know? <laughs> All right. Nardle is fixing to smack the doctor. He was hot. And I, I've just got to be honest. I love what they've done with this character this season. I really yeah. do. He's gone yeah. to a completely another level outside of what we ever thought he was going to be. You know? I, I really oh. like how he's, you know, been integrated into the season so far yeah um and it's nice it's nice too because he still does the little quirky one-liners where he says something that is maybe inappropriate or whatever and doesn't realize that he's doing it but he doesn't yeah a lot of my best friends are blue yeah or (laughs) bluish bluish (laughs) yeah and so so um 
you know, it's it's one of those things where they're really doing a really good balancing act with being able to take him as a serious character while still leaving that little aspect of humor in there, you know. Right. And I love right. that. I, I love that because it's almost like Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, <laughs> where where he just, you know, he'll be doing something super serious and then all of a sudden he'll just say something completely asinine, you know, <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, (laughs) you get what I'm saying. (laughs) I I think so. I get where you're going going with that. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That being said, Nardle essentially goes, can't you see what you've been doing? Can't you see what could have happened here? How this is a bad thing? Yeah. And the doctor goes, no, I can't see or look at everything ever again. I'm still blind. And the episode just ends ends there which is really flabbergasting when you sat there and watched them supposedly fix his vision you know right and I him mean... <laughs> take the tardis back to get them to the head office and then back to saint luke's yeah <laughs> um is the doctor using the force or what <laughs> what <laughs> well, the tardis is compensating probably I, i'm sure the tardis has something to do with it uh maybe he had temporary sight for a second and was able to do that, or, you know, maybe it was just one of the things where I, I think the TARDIS is compensating for the fact that he, you know, may not be able to do it. But he also knows that TARDIS inside and out, so he can operate the controls without looking at them if he needed to. And let's be honest, it has the ability to change itself on the inside, so if it had to, it could get out of his way and stuff, you know? Right. <laughs> Which is kind of weird when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, <laughs> the doctor's still blind apparently. And ha- have you seen the, the next time uh, previews for Extremis, the next episode? I didn't watch it. Okay, I did. Yeah, I did. And he's still. I, I do know what I've read online. So. Okay. Uh, so real quick, once again. <laughs> Spoilers. Apparently, the doctor is trying to make do without telling Bill that he's still yeah. blind. Um, we also he doesn't want her to feel guilty for one thing. Yeah, he doesn't, know? and he doesn't want her hanging all over and making sure he's okay. Um, I guess, yeah. but he he does. Nardle asks, grandfather, right? Nardle asks, "Well, why don't you tell Bill?" And he says something, and I didn't remember what he says, but you know, he hasn't told Bill. Nardle's the only one who knows. Um, and they've got this mission with the Pope and the Catholic church, apparently. And I think this is where we're going to get those creepy zombie monks. Is what it's looking like. I've heard that this is supposed to be where the master comes in. Well, there was a very quick shot of Missy at the end of the trailer. I've also heard another rumor. Mm-hmm. I've also heard the rumor that we're going to find out what is in the vault during this next episode. I think it's Missy at this point. Or perhaps John Sims as the master. I'm kind of thinking it's one of them. Uh, yeah. Um, Especially when it starts playing Pop Goes the Weasel when he starts talking about <laughs> children getting eaten by wood lice. You right. Know? <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the other speculation and theory I have about this episode is that this is going to be the episode where we've seen the clip from the trailers where the doctor starts, quote-unquote, regenerating, 
and I think he's going to be using regeneration energy to restore his sight so he can solve whatever the problem is. That's very, very likely, and that's sort of the direction that I was taking earlier when I was saying I think this is the starting point, possibly, for his ultimate full regeneration. Because I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking he's going to use regenerative powers to heal himself and then not be able to fully switch it off. Oh. See what I'm saying? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, because that would take you the entire second half of the season with him still being in some form of regenerative process. Huh. <laughs> and boy, wouldn't that be crazy if they just kept you guessing as to when he actually did yeah. the full regeneration. <laughs> That's just my personal opinion. And, and I could be completely off base with that. But I think that would be a really interesting thing to see, especially since we have seen an extended period of time in the past where uh, David Tennant's doctor took a little bit longer to regenerate than others that we've seen before him. You know, Right. Uh, what He took what? 15 minutes, I think, in an episode or something or close to it just right. to regenerate. Right, because he had the time to go say goodbye to everybody. <laughs> right. So so it wouldn't be completely unheard of, but it would be unheard of for it to take six episodes. Right. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a possibility. There's some speculation for you, and we'll find out this coming weekend if any of these theories have any merit whatsoever. Because this seems like it's going to be a big key episode for the season. Number one, because it's written by Stephen Moffat. So, Stephen Moffat wrote next week's episode, Extremists. So, I'm guessing this is a, a big deal. This is a turning point, And this is going to have implications moving forward to the rest of the series. All right. Uh, anything else you want to bring up before we start wrapping up uh, our, our review of this episode? Okay, what were your thoughts when we basically saw Bill die on screen? Uh, yeah, that was interesting. Um, I mean, people die on the table in hospitals all the time and are able to be revived. So, uh, I mean, I guess technically she probably died for about, you know, 20 seconds. Um but then, of course, um, her suit, you know, zaps her in order to, quote unquote, kill her. But her suit yes. doesn't have the power to actually kill her. It just sort of knocks her out and the doctor is able to revive her later. But, yeah, no, when she died in the, the vacuum and the lack of air and the, you know, scary, scary space, you know, idea and such. Um, yeah, that was interesting. I, uh, well, I mean, I mean, I she even she, had burn marks and stuff on her face. So I'm, I'm literally going, uh, yeah, that looks like real death, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was one of those things where, uh, I mean, she, she, you know, appeared to die twice in this episode. And I'm like, I know they can't kill her because we've seen stuff with her in other episodes in the previews. You know, we don't have another companion except Nardle in this season and they're not going to kill her <laughs> off and just have Nardle running around because he looks, you know, like a turtle. <laughs> With his ass on fire. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you went there. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're gonna if we're gonna wow. be doing that, uh, you know, the doctor's a penguin running around with his ass on fire. Nardle's a turtle running around with his ass on fire. I mean, come on, that big coat does he not look like a turtle a little bit? Or you know, the master of disguise in his turtle suit? Turtle, I turtle, enough for the turtle, 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 turtle. I mean, <laughs> just a little bit. 
So, you know, yeah, I like I, it seems strange to me that he would be walking around in that really big, heavy coat. And it's probably not even cold outside. You know right. what I mean? It, that just seems really strange to yeah. me. But, um, but I mean, that being said, I, I knew she couldn't die. I was like, how are they going to explain this? How is this going to work? But it was a bit of a very unnerving situation. So both times. Yeah. And then, you know, ultimately she says, Doctor, I think I'm alive. And he says, yes, you seem to be under that impression. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Honestly, I, I almost wondered if he would break his own rule and go back in time after it was all over and save her. Mm. The only problem with that would be that it would once again create another paradox, which how many paradoxes has the doctor created in his existence? (laughs) Too many. (laughs) That's the answer. I mean, too many. (laughs) Clara is the ultimate walking, talking paradox in the Doctor Who universe. Yes. And we still don't know what happened to her or where she went. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I say, I say Clara, but Clara and a shielder together, mm. to be honest. Yeah, that's gonna, <laughs> ugh, that's not gonna be good. That's gonna leave a mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Time and space are never going to be the same. There will always be a jagged scar running across it. I see what you did there. <laughs> Anything else before we start giving final thoughts and ratings on this? Not about the episode itself, really. Um, I liked the, the, the point that it was, you know, one of those classic Doctor self-contained storylines that we got to see in the classic series. I really felt like that that a lot of what we're seeing in this season is a very direct callback to classic Who storytelling. You know, not in the, the multiple, you know, 30 minute episode way but you know in the encapsulated story you know type of way where you know you feel like that everything kind of feels sometimes almost a little claustrophobic in in how tightly you know connected everything is and um that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing because you know let's be honest there was some times in classic who where it would have been really great to have seen the camera back up and see the bigger picture, right? right. But they didn't have the budget to do that, you know? Right. And so I like the balance. I like having, well, let's, let's put it this way. Scale wise, this would have been like uh, star Wars, a new hope versus uh, star Wars uh, revenge of the Sith, you know? Right. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, because it's very well done but you don't have to see everything that leads into this. You don't have to see everything that's going on outside of this situation. It's, it's, it's okay to just tell this smaller scale story. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and start these ratings here. How, what should we rate these smart suits? Maybe not. I feel like that might kill us. Space zombies. Mm, space. Zombies. <laughs> okay. So how many space zombies are you going to rate <laughs> oxygen? Hmm. Let's see. I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, it's not perfect. And let's be honest, very few things are. Right. But I really enjoyed it. I really liked the suspense aspect of it. I really liked the 
the claustrophobic feel of it, you know, um, and the less is more kind of storytelling that was behind it, you know. Um, and, and I really, I liked the invisible villain in this. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is the actual villain in this story was never on board this station. Right. Right. And that is a very unique way of telling a story like this, you know. Um, not to mention the fact that this was possibly the most ingenious way that I've ever seen anybody use the zombie tropes or the zombie themes um, in a really, really long time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not a particularly big fan of zombies in general. However, walking spacesuits with people still inside them is a little more believable for me, which is sort of a paradoxical statement in and of itself, but that's okay. Um, so I like the way that they pulled that off. The uh, the intelligent suits controlled by an unseen villain who really has no actual connection to the people there on the station whatsoever. Yeah. It's just sort of like, well, whatever. You know, someone has set a parameter for these suits to follow and didn't think it through all the way, and now it's killing people. Um, it was an interesting twist, the the last part of the episode was very very good uh the last mm-hmm. about 15 20 minutes of it was very very good i don't know the, i'm having a hard time <laughs> the, the the crew though the the crew on the ship were aside from the blue guy largely forgettable for me the the survivors were largely forgettable uh the blue guy was a little bit memorable cuz well for one he was blue and he had that <laughs> funny little interaction with you know, Bill right? at the beginning, you know, when we, when we first met him, but then they killed him. Yeah. So for me, at least the crew is largely forgettable. So I'm like, eh, about them. The political commentary in this political social commentary in this is not something I'm a big fan of in general, but I see its point and I see its value in certain areas yeah. and certain times. So I just sort of give that a pass at this point. Because it's a, it's a thing that science fiction does. Yeah. Science fiction is always commenting on political, social, uh, moral dilemmas and issues. Um, and it does it in a way that's fanciful and out there and uh, removed from the specific circumstances yeah. of the day. <clears throat> and many times to the extreme. Right. Uh, in order to make a more concrete <clears throat> point without... Uh, getting mired in the emotions of the specific issues. And the commentary in this was a little close to issues of the day for me. Mm-hmm. I like it to be a little bit more generalized <laughs> when they do political commentary in, in, yeah. in science fiction. But that's just my personal taste, so I'm not going to hold that against the episode. It's when you start you know, putting references in there to, well... You know, I'm referring specifically to this sort of movement here right. in this country during this time period. Right. Uh, where I get a bit, that's a little too on the nose, if you will. So, um, <laughs> well, it's still the common... could have gone to a whole nother level and been like completely preachy. You know what I'm saying? Oh, right. And, um, and I'm saying, and I'm, I, what I'm saying is, is that the, the good side of it was it was not overly preachy. Right. But it was just slightly on the, it, it was, you know, there's a delicate balance. Right. You either get too generally people when in these situations they tend to get either way too generic or way too specific, and right. there's not much that hit that middle ground. Uh, this was this was close to the middle. 
it leans mm-hmm. slightly towards the more specific than the you know than the balance. Right. But it was within that range that I'm okay with. Yeah. It was just a little bit too far to one side than the other that I you know I don't know I think <laughs> it about these right things a bit at too the much, tipping so. point right. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I'm going to sort of like chalk it up to fine, whatever. Um, but, uh, that being said, the, the episode was great. It was suspenseful and the ramifications from this episode are huge depending on how long they continue and how they continue. So for that, I'm going to give it uh, a seven and a half. There's a there's a that's a fair zombie bit. yeah yeah that's there's fair there's a, there's a space <laughs> zombie out there that, that's uh, missing yeah, never mind he's missing um, his lower body <laughs> yeah we'll go with that one <laughs> Jason chopped him in half and his entrails are floating through space and <laughs> mm. although I would think the mag boots would keep the legs walking. <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> you just took it to a really weird place. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I'm thinking of the battle droid legs and the Phantom Menace when the, uh, Jedi and the Naboo are blasting out of the Naboo hangar uh, towards the, oh. end of the movie. There's just battle droid legs walking around right there. Anyway, yeah, but this one has intestines hanging from it, so you know. <laughs> you're the one who brought intestines into this. Okay, uh, we have gone way, way past where we needed to be, so let's start wrapping this up. If you want to weigh in on the discussion, get in on the discussion, talk with us, interact with us, uh, you can do that on any of our social media, and that would be facebook.com slash talkingtimelords, where you can not only find our page, but our Facebook group, where you can get in on even more specific discussion. Uh, you can also tweet us at, at @talkingtimelord or email us at talkingtimelords at gmail.com. Links to all of our social media, as well as links to all of our previously released episodes, are found on our website, TalkingTimelords.com. And, of course, please remember to leave us a rating and review on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you download our lovely little podcast. We'd greatly appreciate that. And spread the word. Spread the love. Spread the Just virus. Spread the zombies. No. <laughs> no. No. That's right. We're infestation from last episode. <laughs> Oh, man. Take us viral. Let's put it that way. Take us viral. (laughs) Yes. You look like you're trying to run. Would you like some help with that? (laughs) Hey. Now we're just getting creepy. Um, Hey, straight out of the episode. All right. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode. I think next week's episode is going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be the greatest episode of Doctor Who ever. <laughs> anyway, maybe. Um, I don't know if it's going to be the greatest, but it'll be great. I think uh, it, it should be good. This could be epic. And I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, anything else before we wrap up this episode, Paul? Please consider dropping a couple of bucks our way to support us on Patreon. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, that's thunderquack.com slash Patreon. Or you can just look up thunderquack on patreon.com. That is the uh, the network that we are a part of. So, all right. Um, I think that will wrap up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 70, Stupid Suits. <laughs> <laughs> For Paul, I'm Jason. And remember, until next time. May you hope far-flung hopes. 
and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, everybody. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows.